And so, Lord, today, shake us. Shake us, God. Shake us to our core. Take every dry and brittle bone in this place, God, and touch it with life this morning. We prophesy to the bones today, God, and we command them to live in Jesus' name. We speak to every dry thing in us this morning, and we command it to live in the name of Jesus. We speak to everything in our lives that doesn't bring you glory, and we command it to die in Jesus' name. And Lord, today we cancel the assignment of the enemy over this house and over the people in this house. We speak liberty. We speak your word, Lord God. We ask you to have your way. We thank you, Lord God, that every sickness, every disease must bow its knee to the name of Jesus. We thank you that depression must bow its knee to the name of Jesus. And Father, we ask God that the full gospel be on display today. Salvation, deliverance, freedom, healing. Have your way this morning. Hide me behind your cross, Lord. I don't want to be seen. I want you to be seen. I want your name to be made famous in this place today. May we walk out of this place marked by your spirit. Have your way this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to tell you a little bit about me before I start. I know I sound and look like a Puerto Rican from Brooklyn. I'm very aware of that. But I am not. I am Egyptian. Um, but definitely people walk up to me speaking Spanish all the time and are offended that I don't speak Spanish back. They're like, why don't you know your language? I said, I do. I speak Arabic. Can you speak Arabic? But, but I, my parents came to this country from the Middle East when I was three. They were Christians from Egypt. But I, we came here when I was three to actually get away from some persecution that they were experiencing for the gospel. They saw something in their daughter. The daughter was inviting everybody to church in a Muslim country. My father was like, she's going to get us killed. <laughs> this, this one right here. And they couldn't stop me. They would say, you can't do it. Why? They have to go to church. No, you can't. You, I have to tell them. So as gregarious as you see me now, as gregarious as I was when I was little. So we came here. Someone invited us to an Assembly of God church. At four years old, I gave my life to Jesus. I remember the moment. I remember the day it marked my life. And in that moment, I fell in love with Jesus. I didn't fall in love with church. So we got to make that distinction with our young people, right? We want them to fall in love with church. No, let's let them fall in love with Jesus. Because church gets messy, right? And so I lived in a lot of messy church. But it didn't shake me because I wasn't in love with church. I was in love with Jesus. I was like, oh, people are messy. Ministers are messy. People, board members are messy. All that's messy. But Jesus isn't messy. So since my relationship was with Jesus, when church got messy, I just prayed for church. I didn't leave church, right? So I fell in love with Jesus at four. I started serving him my whole life. At nine, I got called to the ministry. At 11, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. At 15, I started ministering. I was able to do ministry. I taught Sunday school. The second they allowed me to do Sunday school, I was there. And I was there in my little five-year-old class, teaching it like it was 50 kids. Five years old, five kids in the class. I'd make red jello and kill all the Egyptians in the red jello. And the kids would walk out and say, Mom, Jesus killed all the Egyptians in jello. I was like, fail, epic fail. But, <laughs> but just kept working. At 19, when I was in Bible school, I started pastoring. And I pastored for over two and a half decades, many different churches. And I met Justin and his family when I was pastoring in a church in Bayonne. And his father was the presbyter there. And it was a storefront uh, Arabic Assembly of God church. And God gave us revival. I had 35 kids. 
and I ended up with 300 kids in a space not much bigger than this with 300 teenagers, and you remember because you came so many times, and his family came alongside. They're like, you need some help. I said, I need some help, and his family was a huge blessing to me. His father especially came, took my young boys, and said, you need some father figures around here. You got like 45 young adult men and no men to lead them. I was like, they got me. I'll do my best. And he said, no, I got this. And they helped significantly with that. And so I pastored for two and a half decades. And in January of 2020, I was pastoring in a church in Scotch Plains, New Jersey, Evangel Church. I was the executive pastor there. I was there for like 15 years. Children, youth, young adults, you name it. I ran 88 ministries by the time I left. And the Lord called me out. He called me out. And that was a progressive call because I was born in fire. Can I just... I was born in the power and the move of the Holy Spirit. All I know is a big God. I don't know a small God. I don't, I don't, I don't know this rinky-dink God that can't do anything, that has no power, that's weak. I don't know that God. The only God I know is the God that moves mountains. The only God I know is the God that resurrects the dead. I don't know this wimpy little God. But what I saw in the Church of America was a very small God. It was a wimp. It was not feared. It was not reverenced. Church was a counseling session. It wasn't church. People will come in, feel good, leave. Well, that's not the purpose of church. You're not supposed to feel good all the time in church. You're supposed to feel uncomfortable in church. You're supposed to be sitting in church going, I need him to stop. <laughs> did his wife, did my wife talk to him? Like, wh what is happening here? How does he know my business? Church is supposed to be uncomfortable. Because the only way we're uncomfortable that we change. But the Church of America was so comfortable. So laxly is because we changed the message. It was no longer make disciples. It was now fill the building. Fill the building. That was the message. Fill the building. Get as many people in here. Open whatever you want. Give them whatever they want. Make sure that there's perfect signage and perfect this and perfect that. And make, it, make, it, make it so seats are comfortable. Air conditions comfortable. Worship is like what everyone likes. I can't begin to tell you the amount of times when I worked in church, people say to me, I really wasn't into worship today. I'm like, I'm so glad we weren't worshiping you today. <laughs> Worship's not about you. Worship's not about you. They sent this Brooklyn girl when I was in Bible college to Plymouth Rock Assembly of God for church. I want you to take a real good look at me. They sent me to Plymouth Rock Assembly of God. Worship was with a banjo. I thought, I thought this was, I was being punked. And you know what I did in that church with a banjo and a harmonica? I worshiped. Because that's what it was about. It was about him. And so the church had, was so comfortable and so compromised. And because we were comfortable and compromised, you know what left? The power. The anointing went right out the building. Because what comes in with comfortable and compromised is sin. It calls right in the door. And so we, we didn't want to offend anybody because they might leave. So we changed the message. In order to fill the seats, you have to change the message. You can't fill the seats with the true gospel. You can't, make, you can't do it that way. If you want to make disciples, you can. But if you just want to fill the seats, it's okay. Everyone's on their journey, right? But you have to help them. You have to, God, yes, we're all on our journey, but we have to help them. And real love tells the truth. If I love you, I tell you the truth. I don't leave you dying in your sin. I don't see a truck about to hit you and say, well, I don't want them to get mad at me. Get mad at me. Be angry at me. Be offended by me. 
but get your life right. Get your life right. So the message became come as you are and stay as you are. Well, the message, was, the message really is come as you are, change every day. That's the real message. Come as you are, but change every single day. Let God wreck your life every single day. And so I became undone with the church, wholly undone. I was like, I'm not, I can't, I can't watch this. And the Lord began to give me verbiage. And he said, I want to call you out. I want to call you out. I want to use you as an igniter to my church. And my heart's always been fire, so that's an easy word for me. That's an easy word for me. And so in January 2020, I resigned from my church. I left my salary, my title, my insurance, everything that I had there. And I became a full-time revivalist. And I just began to travel and preach. And God began to open up doors. My church launched me. They believed in what God was doing. They saw it. My pastor was like, I, I knew this day was coming one day because you were undone here. Every meeting I was challenging. I'm like, how many signs are we going to put up? If people are hungry, they'll find, they'll find what they want to go. We're going to talk about parking spots again? Because if they're really hungry, they'll put the car on the back and come in the service. Like, like if you're hungry, you will find food. You will find food. I've preached in Africa. They walked two and a half hours to go to church. You've never felt heat like you felt in Tanzania. And they walk in suits because they're coming to church. And they come in seeping wet from sweat. And they worship for another two hours like that. Don't talk to me about signage. Don't talk to, talk to me about hunger. Because that's what gross church is, is hunger. And so my church launched me. I began to travel and preach. I began to uh, just watch God open doors. And then COVID hit in March of 2020. Can I tell you something? When you say yes to God, don't worry about anything else. God didn't miss a beat. My house has lacked nothing for the past three years. Nothing. Not one thing. As a matter of fact, God has accelerated my life. He's accelerated the ministry. We grew a nonprofit ministry in the pandemic and accelerated. Accelerated because God's hand was on it. And so in March of 2020, I started an online prayer meeting. That was a response to COVID because the church's response was fear. And I was like, what are we doing? We're the church. We should have been front and center, speaking faith, speaking the word. And I understand. The first couple weeks, we had no idea what was going on. I get it. But we shouldn't have stayed there. At some point, there should have been an acceleration, and it wasn't. So we began to accelerate in prayer online. And God began to grow this prayer ministry that meets every Monday and every Thursday. And it's still on now. Now I have 23,000 people pray for me with me around the world. And they come and they pray every Monday live, every Thursday. And we watch God. We watch people saved healed, delivered, set free on the prayer meeting. We had a woman that was in the hospital on a ventilator with COVID. And I told the family, put the phone up to her, up to her ear, put it up. And began to pray for her. The whole prayer meeting began to pray for her. Her numbers began to shift as we were praying. And within an hour, she was taken off the vent, completely healed. She went home. She's home now, healed. We had a pastor's wife that we were praying for that was dying, dying. And we began to pray. They gave us the notice. She's going to die by the end of tonight. The prayer meeting, we just went online. We began to pray. And I began to tell the people, call her by name. Jesus, when he prayed, he called them by name. He said, Zacchaeus, Lazarus. He called them by name. He called people out by name. I said, call her by name. Her name is Emma. So they began to say, Emma, get up in Jesus' name. Emma, arise from your sickbed. Emma, arise. 24 hours. Her kidneys that were dead were not functioning. Her breathing was breathing above the vents. The doctor's like, I don't, I don't know what's happened. What did you people do? We believe in a holy God. That's what we did. 
We believe in a God that still does miracles. She came off the vent. She began to breathe on her own. Her kidneys began to function. Kidney function doesn't come back, by the way. One kidney, once kidneys go, they go. That's kidneys. They don't recover. Hers are completely regenerated. Completely regenerated. She preached. That was January. She preached Mother's Day at her church, completely healed, delivered in the name of Jesus. And I asked her, because I was one of the first people I spoke to when she came off the vent. I said, Pastor Emma, what, what do you remember from being on the vent? She goes, you know, I don't remember. I remember them venting me, and I remember waking up. She goes, but I do remember one thing. So what's that? People calling my name. Pounds of people saying, Emma, Emma, like they were trying to get me up. People I didn't know, voices I didn't know. That's prayer. And so we began to build this prayer meeting, and it began to accelerate. And then God opened the churches, and we continued the prayer meeting, and we continued what God was doing. And God has now launched from the ministry a healing service, because I believe that the gospel is a full gospel. And you've heard me say that a couple of times already. I believe we don't preach the full gospel. We preach a gospel of salvation. Praise God for salvation. We all want to go to heaven, <laughs> right? But there's more to the gospel. The cross won everything. He said it's finished. What was finished? Everything. Sickness, disease, infirmity, bondage, they were all broken at the cross. And so we began a healing ministry, and in that healing ministry, we had our fourth service a couple weeks ago. We have seen God. Two, Medicaid, uh, two medical reports of lung cancer vanishing. A little girl's leg grew in our service last time. They brought in a little girl, a special needs little girl, and her feet were two inches and seven centimeters different. And the mom came with tears. You'll actually see it on my post. It's on, it's on my, my Facebook and, and my Instagram. You'll see the little girl's foot. Mom is crying. She said, they're going to have to break her leg, break her kneecap, put in kind of metal to stretch out her leg and continue to repeat the surgery. And she cannot cognitively understand what's happening. So all she's going to know is that she has the most painful surgery that there is, and mommy can't explain it to her. So mom came with tears, said, if Jesus can do something, so Jesus can do everything. And we began to pray. We prayed one time, there was a shift. We prayed a second time, there was a shift. How many know you got to keep praying sometimes, right? He said, ask and keep asking. We get lazy. We pray one time, but he's not going to do it. No, we keep asking. Because Jesus prayed twice, I think we need to pray a little bit more too. <laughs> Elijah prayed twice, I think we need to pray. You know, so we kept praying. And then I stopped the service, I had everyone pray. And the next time we looked, they were almost touching, completely healed and in front of everyone that was there. The tears from mom's face. And dad, because men, men are very, kept measuring with inches. Let me mention. So he kept going down her leg, counting the inches. I'm like, whatever you got to do that. He goes, no, this is, this is real. My daughter's healed. My daughter's healed. And so we kept releasing things from the ministry, and God continues to, to work, and God continues to move in the midst of his people because God is raising up a people. And in February of this year, I released my fifth book. It's called The Courage to Stand. It's a charge to the remnant church. It's a charge to the people of God to, to be who he's called us to be in this hour. And those books are here. All five of my books are here, actually. Um, all have a different tone and a different piece, but this last one is a very prophetic book, and it's a call to the body to wake up and be the body, like Pastor was sharing. I'm not an evangelist, I'm a revivalist. And that's a different call. The evangelist goes to the world and the revivalist comes to the house. And the revivalist knocks on the door and says, time to be the church. Let's wake up, we've been sleeping too long. It's time to wake up. 
in August of 2020, God gave me a vision. And I'll start with this this morning. I was looking at posts on Instagram and all kinds of stuff. There was all kinds of crazy stuff going on. It was during the riots and during all the other things that were going on at that time. And I saw a major denomination send out a statement. And their statement was that they were now going to embrace same-sex unions. And I kept reading it. Because I'm like, I'm, I'm misunderstanding something. So I'm not misunderstanding anything. This is what they're saying. And I said, Lord, what am I looking at? And I heard in the spirit the Lord say this. He said, there's no longer going to be a line in sand. There's going to be a line in cement. And there's no longer going to be a denominational divide. Denominations are going to go away. If you, if you haven't seen that, I promise you that's going to go away. And what's going to be left, he said, are two things. Two churches. There's going to be the corrupt, itchy ear, culture-driven, emotionally charged church, and there's going to be the remnant. And those remnants and that corrupt church will cross every denominational line. You're going to see Catholics, remnants. You're going to see Pentecostals, corrupt. We're going to see a divide. The divide is going to be those two houses. And people are going to fall into one or fall into the other. The difference is this, and I want you to hear me, because both are going to use the word. I just saw a church in New York City with a trans leader wearing a tutu and all kinds of pink and kind of hair holding the Bible. So each one is going to use the Bible. So it's not about the Bible. And hear me today because we're going to talk about this in the message it's not about the Bible. It's your posture to the Bible. It's about your posture. The corrupt church is going to stand over it. And it's going to judge it. It's going to decide what's important and what's not. It's going to decide what it really says. You know, there's a Bible that's called the Thomas Jefferson Bible. You ever heard of this? Thomas Jefferson wrote his own Bible. He took this one and took out what he didn't like. So he took out all the Gospels, and he took out some of the prophetic ones, and he took out Revelation, and then he made his own. That's the posture of the corrupt church. I'm going to take out what I like, what I don't like. I'm going to take out whatever comes against my lifestyle, against my feelings. This is the selfie generation, so it's all about my feelings, right? So what, what, what offends me, I'm going to take out. And I'll take what I like, the blessing and the joy and the love. And the, the remnant church is not going to stand over the word. It's going to live under the word. Their posture is yielded to the word. And whatever it says, I do. Like it, don't like it. My agreement is not necessary. My obedience is necessary. I don't have to agree. I just have to, I have to obey. I don't love when it says love your enemy. Bless those that persecute you. That's not what I want to do to them. I want to get away from them. The Lord says do good to them. So I don't have to agree. I just have to obey. I have a young lady at my former church. She, she got saved, and she was living with a woman. She had a, she had a, a lesbian relationship her whole life. She's a, been a lesbian her whole life. She gave her life to Jesus. And in that moment, she knew it was wrong. So she walked home. She broke up with her girlfriend. 
She began to live her life out, but her heart didn't change. She was still attracted to women. So she just lived celibate. She didn't operate in it. She just lived every morning, say, God, give me the strength to walk out what I don't feel. Your word is more powerful than what I feel. So I'm going to live in your word even though I don't agree. My heart doesn't agree. My emotions don't agree. My affections don't agree. But I'm going to obey your word. And if that means I live alone for the rest of my life, so be it. And she walked like that for five years. Just obeying God's word. Obeying God's word. Honoring God's word. Coming to counseling. Staying close to leadership. Five, a couple years ago, she comes up to me. Sunday morning while I was still at my church, and she goes, hey, Pastor, I got a question for you. You know that guy back there? I was like, what guy? She goes, the one with the red hair. You know him? I was like, yeah. She goes, he's cute. And I shot a look at her. I said, what's happening? She goes, I, I don't know. I got a little something going on. I said, you got a little something going on? Okay. She goes, my heart feels a little different. My heart feels a little different. And even though she didn't get together with that guy, she got engaged a couple weeks ago to a different guy, completely delivered and set free. But she chose her posture was, I'm going to yield to this. And as long as I yield to this, he's going to meet me. He's going to meet me because that's the remnant people. And that's the people that God is raising up in this house, a remnant people that understand that Jesus is coming. He said, when you see these things, I am at the door. How many see these things? How many know how prophetic Israel is? Yeah. Do you understand that a man died? Had, I'm sorry, he didn't die. He had a heart attack last week in, in the military reserve in the Middle East because he stood up and he said, Israel will have wrath on Allah, will bring wrath on Israel. He had a heart attack and collapsed on the platform. Why? Because Israel's prophetic to God. You don't have to like anything about it, but you have to understand. You can have your feelings about a million things, but you need to understand God said, I will bless those that bless Israel. So we have to have our posture and agreement. Doesn't mean everything they do is right. Hear me. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we have to understand what God says about these things. And when you see things going on in Israel, pay attention. Jesus said, I am at the door. I'm at the door. And the other person that knows he's at the door is the enemy. That's why he's gotten so big and so bold. That's why we see that elevation. And we today are called by the people of God as the remnant people who are saying, no, we understand who we are. We understand what we've been called to do. We need to begin to live like we understand our role in this hour. Because our role is not to look pretty until Jesus returns. That's not our role. We're not here just to make it to heaven safely. That's not our role. We are here to occupy. We are here to take ground. We are here to move under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and begin to move out in the things of God. We might be, and this is the title of the message, we might be outnumbered, but we are never outpowered. We are outnumbered. We're not outpowered. And we as the people of God need to understand that our role is not to wait around until the rapture happens. Our job is to wreck hell and fill heaven. That's our job. Our job is to wreck hell. I love something um, A.W. Tozer said. I want, on the day I die, hell to have a party. To thank God he's out of the game. I want the same thing. I want hell to say, oh, thank God she's gone. 
Thank God she's gone. I want to be a threat to the kingdom of hell. I want to be a threat to the kingdom of hell. And I want God's people to rise up in this hour to be who God has called them to be. See, we look at the enemy and say, he's, so, he's powerful. Look what he does. He's powerful. There's no way to say he's not. But I've been given all authority. Luke 10, 18, all authority has been given to the church to trample on and utterly destroy the works of darkness. That's the authority of the church of Jesus Christ. And until we begin to understand who he is and who we are, we will always live shrink back. We need to begin to move forward and understand that God is for us. God is with us. I get this criticism all the time. Well, slash compliment criticism, you know one of those things? Is that I'm very bold, right? I am. I am. But I'm not bold because of me. I'm bold because I actually believe every word that's written here. I actually believe that God is for me. So if God is for me, who can be against me? I actually believe that. I operate in that. God is for me. God is for me. The amount of times I say, let's keep moving. Why? Because God is for me. Well, they said no. God didn't say no. Let's keep moving forward. Why? Because God is for me. And we as the church, if we continue to live small and think small and understand God small, we will never accomplish what he's called us to do. We need to begin to step out and understand that God has called us to occupy. There are souls that are waiting for the kingdom to appear. See, God didn't call me to build one house. He called me to build the house because he's raising up a kingdom, not a church, not a church. We're all part of the kingdom. And we're here to raise up the kingdom. Do you understand that everywhere you go, the kingdom should advance? I was just on vacation. When I was texting you, I was in Cancun. <laughs> I was just in vacation, right? I'm sitting in the middle of the dining hall. I see a woman walking with back pain. And I hear the Lord say, go pray for her. I got up. I walked across in my bathing suit and my coveralls. I said, ma'am, I said, I'm, I, I see you kind of walking with some back pain. She goes, yeah, my back is killing me. I have my medicine in my hand. I said, so I'd love to pray for you. I believe the Lord can heal you. And she had some church context. She goes, oh, oh, yes, yes, sure. I prayed for her. God healed her instantly in the middle of the dining hall in Cancun. And she went, are you, are you serious right now? I said, you okay? She goes, girl, I'm good. I'm good, girl. I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, I don't need this. I'm going to go tell my husband what you did. I said, no, tell him what I did. Tell him what Jesus did. Tell him what Jesus did. And her husband kept smiling and waving at me because his wife's walking around pain-free. Everywhere we go, the kingdom should advance. Everywhere we go, the kingdom should show up because we are his children. We represent him, and we are anointed by him. I want you to look at a portion of scripture today. I want you to look this morning at 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm going to give you a little context for this message. It's the story of King Jehoshaphat. Powerful story. King Jehoshaphat was king of Judah. And he was a good man. The Bible doesn't have much negative to say about him. He was a good man. He loved God. And one day his, his enemies gathered around him. He had three massive armies coming for him. And he gets word. He goes, Jehoshaphat, your enemies have joined forces against you. Three armies against one army. 
He is outnumbered on every side. And Jehoshaphat knows that they are militarily stronger than him. He knows there are more men than him. He knows that he's outnumbered. So he does what any good man of God does. He began to pray. He began to pray. He began to cry out to God. And he began to give God his, God's resume before him to remind God, hey, God, remember when you did this? And remember when you did that? And remember when you did this? And he begins to give God. He said, God, remember when you had mercy on these people? Well, they're not having mercy on us. And they're surrounding us. And he begins to cry out to God and cry out to God. And right here, we're going to look at verse 10. He says this. And now, here are the people of the Ammonites and the Moabites and Mount Sir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of, of your possessions, which you have given to, you, to us as inheritance. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this mass armed army that's coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are on you. And now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. And if you jump down to verse, 18, verse 15, he says this. And he said, this is the Lord. Listen, O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord to you, do not be afraid or dismayed because of this mass army against you, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Today, go down against them. They will surely come up to you at the ascent of Z, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jude. You will not need to fight this battle. Position yourself. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah or Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed today. Tomorrow go against them, for the Lord is with you. They go down. They obey God. They go down to the valley. God gives them a song to sing. He says, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. They keep singing this song and keep marching forward. By the time they reach the army, they're all dead. Because God threw confusion into the camp of the enemy and they begin to attack each other. So while they're waiting, they kill each other. So by the time he gets there with the army, all three armies are dead. Not one man is spared. And you know what's left? The spoil spoils hear me with a prophetic ear today the spoils they go and clean up they shop they get all the spoils and they bring it back to judah and i need you to hear me today because this story speaks of our time this story speaks of our time see jehoshaphat doesn't know what to do there's a vast army and if you're not watching let me help you today. there's an army surrounding the church we are, becoming, we are becoming the answer to every problem. We are responsible for everything that's going wrong. It's those people. Pay attention, family. Listen to the narratives that are being spun. They are demonic narratives. Pay attention to what's going on in our schools. They are demonic agendas. When they want to teach fifth graders how to masturbate in, in Jersey, pay attention. Pay attention. They are demonic narratives. And who are the troublemakers? The church. Because we dare to speak the truth. So armies are gathering. The same way they gathered around Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's five million people. <laughs> he says, whenever you hear this trumpet bow, 
You don't think when five million people bowed and three boys didn't, that stood out? You know how ridiculous they must have looked? Five million people bowed, and here's three teenagers, by the way. Teenagers. They were teenagers, young adults. These weren't grown men with family. These were kids, young adults. But they stood their ground. They were outnumbered. They were not powered. And here Jehoshaphat has these armies gathering around him. And he begins to cry out to the Lord. He says, Lord, this is the statement. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. God, look at our nation. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. God, look at our school system. We don't know what to do, but our guys are on you. God, look at our nation. Look at our church. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Our eyes are fixed on you. We don't move from this position. Our eyes are on you, King Jesus. He says, my eyes are on you, God. And God answers out of heaven, Jehoshaphat, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed because of this mass army. You're not even going to have to fight. The battle is mine. And then he makes this very strange statement. God says to him, now go. Go down to the field. Stand in your position. Isn't that a counter to what he said? They say you're not going to have to fight. So why does he have to stand in a position? If I'm not fighting, why do I have to stand in a fight position? Are you listening? Is your heart listening this morning? He wants you battle ready. He wants you in position. He wants you trained. He wants you disciplined. He wants you walking in your anointing. He'll do the work, but he wants you in your position. Position is everything. Posture is everything. Posture of humility, posture of strength. Do you know why God is going to bless this couple right here? Because their posture is humility. It reeks from them. It reeks from them. Not because I know them. If you know me for five minutes, you know I don't say things just to say them. I don't, I don't do flattering words. I speak what I feel or I don't speak at all. <laughs> what reeks from them is humility. It's the right posture. And so God is telling them, get in position. Get in your battle line. I'm going to do the heavy lifting. But I need you battle I need you battle ready. I need you to be in that posture of war. And we have our flip-flops on as the church. We need to put some boots on. We need to put some boots on. We need to be battle ready. We need to stop playing church and become the church. We need to understand that we need to be battle ready. There is a battle going on and walking the fence is done. There's no more walking the fence. It's a line in cement. God is saying, choose. Remnant or corrupt pick. Are your feelings going to drive you? What I want, what I need, what, or is he going to drive you? He says, get in position, get in your line. Get in the right box. Wait. And then he says this, be still. Be still. Don't let one thing from the word pass you. Every word has substance. He says, be still and watch me give you deliverance tomorrow. Be still. Stop moving. Stop trying to figure it out. Just be still. You know what stillness means? Trust me. 
that's what it means. Can I give you a word today? If you struggle with anxiety in your life, anxiety reveals a lack of trust. It's an exposer. The same way fear reveals a lack of faith. They're exposures. They're exposures. So if there's anxiety struggling in your life, hear me, child of God, I love you this morning. It reveals a lack of trust. You are not trusting him somewhere in your life. And if that is an issue in your heart, you got to start getting up every morning and saying, I trust you. And you might not feel it right away. Keep saying it. Keep declaring it. Keep prophesying it. Keep prophesying it. And here Jehoshaphat now. God gives him this instruction. He goes out. He does what God tells him. God goes before him. He throws confusion into the camp of the enemy. I have been praying that ever since Hamas said, we're going to see terrorism all around the world. I said, no, God, throw confusion in their camp. Throw confusion in their camp. Diffuse the plan of the enemy in the name of, you know, we have that authority as the children of God. There hasn't been any. They've declared it hasn't been any. God continues to close the door. Not because America's worthy, but because he's faithful. Let's hear that today. You need to understand the only reason God hasn't judged America is because the remnant is still here. That's the only reason. America turned their back on God a long time ago. But we're here. We're here. And so God will always honor his remnant. And so God throws confusion into the hearts of the enemy. They begin to kill each other. They begin to attack each other. And by the time the people of God get there, the battle's already been won, and he gives them the spoils because that's what God does. And I need you to understand that these are key statements for us as the remnant people. Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I don't, I don't know what to do, God, but my eyes are on you, God. Because we have to constantly be understanding that we are always going to be outnumbered. We're always going to be the minority. Those that want to live right are always going to be the minority. The last time I heard a message about people teaching young people not to sleep around was from my mouth. Because it's, it's just it's the way it is. People say, well, divorce is down in America. You know why divorce is down? Because living together is up. <laughs> people aren't getting married. <laughs> it's not because it's, it's gotten better. It's because... It's, go, it's gone up. Living together has gone up. So people aren't getting divorced because they're not getting married. The last time I heard a message on premarital sex, I taught it. Because it's, it's oh, that's always thinking. That's always thinking. But this is the deal. When the whole world is about to run off the cliff, the one person running the opposite direction, they appear to be insane. I'll be insane. I'll be insane every day of the week. I'll be insane every day of the week. Why? Because I would rather please him than please anybody else. And we have to be that light. If you are light and we are salt, the purpose of salt, anyone here that cooks, is to season. What's the other purpose of salt? To preserve. It's to preserve. We are here. We're going to be outnumbered every time. We are never outpowered. God is for us. 
and we can stand in the midst of any circumstance and not even have to fight. We just clean up the spoils. We just clean up the spoils. I was in Africa a couple years back, and I was doing a crusade there with my buddy, a good friend of mine, the gentleman I told you about in Washington. We were there together, and we were preaching on healing. Massive crusade, Muslim area, and he's teaching about healing, and this mom walks up with her baby in her arms, four years old, and puts her on the platform. So you're teaching about healing, heal her. So I look at him, we kind of smile at each other. I'm like, bro, we're in. <laughs> like, let's pray. We begin to pray. The little girl starts moving her feet. She jumps up. She begins to run around the arena. Everyone is screaming now. Everyone is screaming. Now the healing lines, every cut, every scrape, everyone wants healing, right? So we're praying for hours. People are getting healed. Ears are being popped left and right. It's healing is coming. People's voices, I mean, healing. Everyone is overjoyed. Everyone's thrilled, except the nine police officers in the back that are Muslim. They are furious because the gospel is clear. So they follow us back to the hotel when we're done. We pull in. I'm like, cops are here. Okay. They walk over and very serious. They said, you're in a lot of trouble. So my friend's speaking to him in Swahili, and he goes, you guys broke the law today. Well, what law do we break? Well, we can't explain it to you right now, but we need your passports. So there's nine of us. And I don't know how many of you have been overseas, but you'd rather give away your kidney than your passport. So they're like, we, we need your passports. And we're looking at each other, and my friend goes, we don't have a choice. We have to give it to them. So we collect the passports. We give it to them, and they drive off with our passports. They shut us down. You know, crusades, no activities. And I'm like, okay. We know it's the enemy. So we begin to pray, and we continue to pray. We begin to seek out God. We put our eyes on him. We don't know what to do, God. There's no supervisor. They are the supervisor. It's not like New York City, call the supervisor. There's no supervisor. They are. <laughs> There's no, who you call the governor? The governor's with them. There's no one to help us. Our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. We continue to pray. We go the next morning to meet with them. They're, they're belligerent. They won't, they won't. And then finally one of them says, you know what? We can make this very easy. Make this very easy. He said, my hand has your passports in it. And if I give you your passports, it's going to be very lonely, my hand. What do you want to put in my hand so that my hand's not lonely? So I shake his hand. And he says, oh, she doesn't understand. I said, no, no, she does. She does. He wanted money. And I said, but I, I can't do that. So I said, because I serve an integral God. And he's very clear in Scripture not to give bribes. So, sir, I can't give you a bribe. And he looks at me, he goes, well, that's silly. For a couple hundred dollars, this would be over. I said, I do understand that. I said, but where do I go with my character after that? How do I minister after that in this country? When I'm marked with, she, takes, she gives bribes. I can't do that. I'm sorry. He goes, well, then that's your problem. And he walks away. And we all walk out together, and we go back to the hotel. We tell the team. The team is like, what do we do? I said, we continue to pray. Continue to pray. We stand. We continue to stand. We get in position. We get in position. We begin to worship. We pull out some guitars, and we're worshiping in the lobby of the hotel. We're crying. We're worshiping. We're crying out to God. We're doing our battle. We're doing our battle, and we continue to pray. We continue to worship. We stand. Our eyes are on the Lord. It's nine of us. We have nowhere else to turn. 
That night we have dinner. We're sitting in this restaurant. It's not a fancy restaurant. It's not, not a fancy hotel. It's a regular hotel. We're sitting at the hotel. We're having dinner. This man walks by. I remember him to the day I die, I think. Big, big African man wearing black pants, black shirt, which was very interesting because it's so hot, nobody wears black. So he comes out and he's wearing black. And he's walking with two soldiers that have ammunition across their body and guns on their back. And I saw him walk by. And I, I would love to tell you that I was prompted of the Holy Spirit. I wasn't. I wanted to show off that I knew some Swahili. That's really, that was the root of it. He walked by because they like, they love it. They respond well. I'm like, what? So I throw him out some proper greeting in Swahili. He goes, oh, very good. Do you know more? And I go back and forth with him. Two, three, four, five sentences. Then he keeps going. I said, oh, no, I know five. We're done at five. He starts laughing. He goes, well, how do you know this? I said, oh, the missionary taught me. He goes, okay. He goes, it's very good of you to have learned that. I said, well, I thought it would be proper to greet the people of Tanzania in their language. He goes, thank you. I appreciate that. I said, great. And he said, um, he said welcome. Welcome to my country. I said, thank you. And he walked off. And I need to tell you, African people are very proud of their country. So all of them say that. Welcome, welcome to my town. Welcome to my city. It's very common. So I thought nothing of it. Nothing. We finish eating. We, go to, we pray again. We go to sleep. We go the next morning back to the police. We're arguing with the police. They're in the room. And I'm standing in the doorway with my friend, and we're going back and forth about the passports. They will not release the passports. We're there a good 20, 30, 40 minutes. We're talking back and forth. They won't belligerent. That man comes walking in the front door. So I look over, and I'm like, oh. And he yells out, my friend. My friend, how are you? I said, hi. I said, not very good. He goes, not very good. Why not? So they haven't seen him yet. He starts walking. The second he comes here, where they can see him, they go. So I'm just reading the room. Right? He goes, what, what, what's going on, my friend? What's wrong? I said, our passports were confiscated. He said, why? I said, I have no idea. We were preaching in the square, and these, these men took our passports, and they won't give them back. The second I said that, all the men moved back against the wall. And I realized, I said, this guy's a big deal. I don't know who he is, but he's a big deal, and they're all afraid of him. And he said, who took your passports? And I said, mm, damn right over there. They took my passports. He stepped in the room, one, two, put out his hand, give me the passports, put all nine passports in his hand. He turned to me, he said, he handed it to me, he said, I'm very sorry. I should not have done that. Here you go. What did they stop you from doing? I said, they stopped the last two days of crusades. They stopped all the activity, and we had to, we had to cancel our, our uh, sound guy. We had to cancel our roadies that unload and load the truck and all that kind of stuff. And he goes, okay. He said, can you stay more? I said, yes. He goes, I'm going to give you three days on us. Don't worry about a permit. Don't worry about sound. Don't worry about anything. He said, don't worry about the people that you let go. He said, these nine men, they now work for you. They're your security. They will unload and pack your truck. They will drive you back and forth, and they will take care of everything that you need. Is that okay? And I was like, that's, that's pretty cool. See, I didn't have to fight the battle. I just got to clean up the spoil. I got to clean up the spoil. And in those three days, we saw healing, deliverance, freedom, and got to pray with those nine police officers who watched it with their own eyes. They didn't give their life to the Lord that day. But God met them. We believe that. See, this is the deal. We're always going to be outnumbered. 
we're never outpowered. We need to learn as the people of God to stand our ground. We need to learn to get in the position that we need to be in. We need to wait for the Lord. Trust that God is going to show up and do what he does. It has to come back to you understanding the size of the God that you serve. And God is looking to empower people, to fill them with the fire and the power of his spirit. God is looking for people that say, Holy Spirit, burn in me. Burn in me. I love the words of a famous writer. He said, God set me on fire. Let the whole world come watch me burn. God set me on fire. Let the whole world come watch me burn. Come fill me with your spirit, God, so that I can be the person you've called me to be in this hour. See, there's a charge to every individual believer. We're charged as a church, but we're charged as a people too. To be who God has called us to be. To move in signs and wonders. You think signs and wonders are just for me or your pastors? No, they're for every believer in this room. I wasn't called to lay hands on the sick. We were called to lay hands on the sick. We were called to pray for the dead. We were called to cast out demons. Amen. People see a demon, oh, get the pastor. Why? <laughs> Why are you bothering me? I'm busy. You do it. Amen. You do it. I was in a church preaching, and there was a girl. Well, she was, I was praying for someone that was sick, and she was here. She was demon-possessed. And she kept yelling at me, stop preaching. Stop it. Stop praying. Stop praying. I said, I need you to stop. Shut up. I was talking to the demon, by the way. So I'm going to get to you in a minute. I finished praying. The second I turned, she took off running. I told the altar workers, grab her. They grabbed her. I said, you guys got it? They're like, no. Got what? Come back here. I was like, oh, no. I got 200 people at the altar. You got this. I'll keep my eye on you. And I kept watching them doing this, and they kept going. I'm like, it's all right. 20 minutes later, that girl was free. Two years later, that girl greeted me at a church, completely delivered and set free. I'm not, I'm not called to cast out all demons. We're called to cast out demons. We're called to lay hands on the sick. We're called to win the gospel. And I have to tell you, when I have young people in the audience that I see a call of God, and I just did another church, call of God on the sick, I pulled her up at the altar to pray with me because I wanted to get real comfortable there. I wanted to get comfortable laying hands and praying for people. Why? Because we are called. We are called. We are outnumbered. We are never outpowered. The power of God dwells in me. Satan has power. I've been given all authority. And so church, it's time to be the church. It's time to rise up in power. It's time to walk how God has called us to walk with the confidence that he has gone before us, that he fights the battles, that he will confuse our enemies. And we get to stand in our position, trust him, and then we'll clean up the spoils that are left behind and give it to the glory of God. Would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you lift your hands this morning before the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we bless you. God, we bless you, God. God, we bless you. God, we bless you, God. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. Can you open up your mouth this morning and just begin to give him praise? 
And if that's new to you, it's okay. Just say his name. Just say the name of Jesus like Pastor told us in the beginning. Just begin to say the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. God, we give you praise. God, we give you praise. God, we give you praise. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Great and mighty is your name, King Jesus. Great and mighty, God. Great and mighty is your name, God. Father, we see the masked army, Lord God. We see the camp of the enemy, Lord God. But today, God, our eyes are on you, King Jesus. Our eyes are on you, King Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we recognize the day and hour that we live in, Lord God. We know that your return is eminent, King Jesus. And Lord, we're not here just to wait for your return. We're here to occupy. We're here to preserve. We're here to advance, Lord God. So, Father, I declare over this church, Lord God, that every place their foot goes, Lord God, that the gospel would advance, Lord God. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we want to be your people in this hour. We want to be your people. It's not about our giftings. It's not about our abilities. It's about our anointing. It's about our yieldedness to you. It's about our trust today. And Lord, today I pray, God. I pray today, God, for every dry thing to begin to live in the name of Jesus. Father, I speak igniting from your spirit in this house this morning. That there would be a snowball of fire in this place today, God. A release from heaven, God. As we understand who we are and who you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to do two different altars, but the first one is this. This morning, if you're ready, you're like, Lord, I'm ready to be the church. I'm ready to be the church. I'm ready, God, to take off my flip-flops and put on my shoes, God. I'm ready to get out of the reclining chair and sit up, God, in position because I recognize the day and the hour, God. I'm not going to sit on the fence. I'm all in, Jesus, and I am yielded to your word. But I want you to fill me this morning, God. I want your power. I want revival to fill my heart today, God. I want revival, God, embers to burn in my heart today, God. I want you to come forward. I want you to come forward and say, God, that's me, God. She's talking about me, God. That's what I want. I want you to come forward right now. Don't wait. Don't look around. Just come. Hallelujah. Don't wait. Just come. And just begin to press into God when you come. Just begin to lift your hands before him and say, God, right here, fill me, fill me, fill me. Fill me, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, just press in right now. 
Press in. Don't wait for anybody to pray for you. Just begin to press in. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 So ro 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 ra ba ba se se te de 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 be be se. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So ro 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 ra ba ba se se te 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 de be be se. Si ro 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 ra ba ba se. Hallelujah. So ro 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 ra ba ba sa ta ra ba ba ke se te 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 be be se. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Sondo no 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 na baba se. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Soro ro 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 ra baba se. Sindo ro ro ra baba se. Se te 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 be se. Si ro 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 ra baba se. Sondo ro 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 ra baba se. Sindo ro 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 ra baba se. Be se. Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. I want each person to begin to prophesy to their own soul right now. Prophesy to your life right now. Command everything in you that is dry, dead, and brittle to live in the name of Jesus. Begin to speak to your own spirit today. Begin to like put your hands on your heart and say, live in the name of Jesus. Everything that is dry, dead, and brittle in me, begin to live this morning in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 So
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to continue to pray. But if you're sick in your body, I don't want anybody to go before we pray for those that are sick. Is anyone here sick in their body? Just lift your hand up. There you go. And if you can, stand up. We're just going to declare the word over you right now. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up. And those around the room whose hands are not lifted, just go find them right now. And put your hand on them right now. There's more hands lifted than people who aren't lifted. So maybe you have to pray over two people. That's okay. Hallelujah. 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 So I want to help us when we talk about healing for a minute. I don't have to convince God to do something he said he would do. That's the wrong prayer. I don't have to beg God for healing. It's his good pleasure to heal. He said healing is the food of the children, the bread of the children. He went to the cross to destroy sickness and disease. So it's his pleasure to heal. This is where I take my authority as a child of God. My lungs were shutting down for seven years, and every day I took authority. Every single day. And God completely healed me. I have two charts of, of lungs that were gray and inflamed, and the next day were white and crystal clean. Because he does it. It's not about convincing God to heal. It's about understanding what he's won for us at the cross. It's about understanding how to receive what he won for us at the cross. And standing in our authority, asking once, asking twice, asking 10,000 times. Commanding our body to come in line with the word of God. I want you to know how to pray for the sick. That's how you pray for them. You command their body to come in line with the word of God. So we prayed over your pastor this morning. We commanded his back to come in line with the word of God. And he was pain-free this morning. And it might not happen the first time. We're going to ask a million times. We're going to push a million times. And I don't know why everyone doesn't get healed, but I do know this. 100% of those that don't pray don't get healed. 100% of those that don't pray don't get healed. So I'll take my chances with the, with the prayer. And so, Father, we pray today, God, over every person who's struggling with sickness in their bodies or in their minds. Sickness in their minds today, God. Depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. And we break those lies in the name of Jesus this morning. We command every foul spirit of depression to be broken in this house today. We command every suicidal thought to be broken in this house today. Every agreement with the enemy we renounce today in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I command everybody to come in line with the word of God. Every sickness, every disease, every infirmity, you must bow your knee to the name of Jesus. Heart disease, you must bow your knee to the name of Jesus. Diabetes, you must bow your knee to the name of Jesus. Every autoimmune disease, you must bow your knee to the name of Jesus. All eye conditions, you must bow your knee to the name of Jesus. Diabetes, you must bow your knee to the name of Jesus. We command all pain to leave our brothers and sisters today. All back conditions, knee conditions. Every condition in the body that does not come in line with the word of God. We command you right now. We command healing to flow right now in the name of Jesus. That healing would flow over your people right now. 
every fiber of their being. That healing would flow right now in the name of Jesus. From the top of their head to the soles of their feet. We command every symptom to go in the name of Jesus. And healing to flow right there in the name of Jesus. Healing to flow right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let healing flow right now. Stay right there, family. Don't move. Keep pressing right there. Healing is flowing in the room. Just wait. Just continue to declare. Continue to take authority right now. Speak healing right now. From the top of her head to the soles of her feet. Healing flow right now. Be made whole in the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be made whole in the name of Jesus. From the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Be made whole right now. From the top of his head. We command his body to come in line with your word. Every fiber right now. Be made whole. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We speak healing right now. We speak healing right now. In the name of Jesus. Every fiber right now. Every fiber right now in the name of Jesus. We just declare healing right God. From the top of his head to the soles of his feet. We command his body to come in line with your word. Right now in the name of Jesus.